Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. Amitai Schleier is here. We're going to talk about a class we both just took, which was a big surprise to me. I didn't know he was going to be there, but we just took a personal Kanban class with the fabulous people from Modus Cooperandi, which we'll talk about that in a minute. But Amitai, thank you for taking time out of your day. Thanks for having me, Dave. Um, before we get into talking about the class, can you give the folks a quick kind of rundown of your background and your area of expertise and everything like that, just in case they're not familiar with you? Sure. Uh, my name is Amitai. I'm an independent technical agile coach, software development coach. Uh, my background is as a programmer, except that I don't have a, an academic background in that. I got a music degree and um, I got lucky early in my career to land in a team in the early 2000s that was doing XP. And I just, I had no idea what that was better than because I didn't have any experience. But later in my career, I learned it for real because I had a context where I needed it to survive, uh, where, where cost was being minimized and risk was being managed to zero and value had to be high. And so you had a good experience with it. I had a great experience with it. Uh, now, when I, when I really learned XP under duress at a bank in New York, the bank was not teaching XP. Okay. They were teaching operate under these constraints, however you can figure it out. And what I figured out was that. Wow. Okay. Um, so my first extreme programming experience did not go quite as well as yours. <laughs> yeah. Mine was buy really big monitors so one guy can play video games while the other guy reads a magazine and we're calling that pairing. And it was it just went downhill from there. It was like they literally gave everybody a copy of the first copy of the first version of Explained. And we're like, read this, you have to be agile in three days. Oh. And that was all the training we got. And so it didn't work out so good. I can see how that might inform your career. <laughs> yes. It it kind of informed the next eight years that I spent fighting against Agile. But I have since changed my tune quite a bit. Um, all right. So we, we've done one podcast together previously, which was why well, I, was, I was so excited when you were in the class because I finally got to meet you in person. But we did that one about mob programming a while back, and I talk about it in every single class. Okay. I could never do this. I'm like, I can't do it either, but I did it. <laughs> And it was awesome, and we were distributed. Um, so we both signed up for the personal Kanban class. Um, what drew you to to Jim and Tony Ann's class? Because you're you're a seasoned pro. I would think that something like that is not something that would pull you in. I'm a seasoned pro that always needs help keeping my stuff together. Okay. So coaching for me is kind of second nature. If I come into a team and they have a purpose and they have a backlog and they have priorities or difficulty with that. It's super easy for me to come in and um, add myself to it. Okay. And, uh, and help them sort out their process and their needs. It's a lot harder for me to remember to pay attention to mine. And so I was just at the point where um, I have an office, which I hadn't had for a while because I have a 21 month old kid. And so I no longer have a home office until we move to our new house. Okay. But I have one rented. And so now I have a wall again, like I used to have. Okay. And I have a need to organize myself because we have, you know, the house move is one of some, one of the transitions that's coming. Yeah. And then Sue Johnston on Twitter said, this changed my life. And I was immediately off the fence that I'd been sitting on. Had you not done it before? I had not. 
Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, that makes this even more awesome. Okay. Wait, so you had done personal? Oh my, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been doing it. I haven't done the training before. I've been doing it for years and I'd interviewed Jim about it. And when I started doing it, I had a guy coach me to teach me how to do it. Um, so that, all right. So I'm, I have a whole new line of questioning now, but before we go <laughs> to that, so let's see in three minutes or less uh-huh. challenge. Can you explain what personal Kanban is? Have no pressure. Uh, it's an imaginary clock. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would say personal Kanban is two rules and an intention. Okay. The two rules are uh, limit your work in progress and visualize it. Okay. So however many things you're doing at once, keep an eye on that and don't let it get out of hand. And whichever things you're going to work on, be able to see what they are. Okay. The rules. Uh, and then the intention is see and master your own choices because yeah. you make a lot of them every day and they add up. I think I have some time left over. That's wow. That was very concise and really awesome. All right. So you, but you knew Kanban before you went in. Yeah. I mean, I haven't uh, made a gigantic wall with a huge organization or a series of them, but I've, I've done team walls over and over again. Yeah, sure. Okay. So when you're doing the coaching, what kind of, I mean, is there a particular type or, or flavor of agile that you kind of draw on the most, or is it just generally helping them deliver without joining one camp or the other? So what the, the picture I have in my head that animates me to want other people to have the quality of life at work that I am able to have. Uh-huh. That's that's what's imprinted on me. That's what okay. it looks like. So it's these technical practices that make the code easy to live in, and then it's these planning and business practices that make it easy to, to work with. Okay. So and are you? So, oh, good. So that's what's on my mind. When I get into a team, they are usually many steps from XP, and I'm not trying to get them to do XP. I'm trying to figure out what do we agree would count as an improvement for them first. Okay. Wow. That's where I start. Okay. Um, and when you're talking about managing your own work, are you able to actually protect your time and keep your life kind of flowing in a harmonious ish way for somebody with a 21, 21 month year old? I would say that, uh, if I were, I would not have signed up for the class. Okay, good. Now I feel a little bit. <laughs> That's where that was coming from. Yeah. All right. Okay. Wow. So, okay. So, Coming into it, do you feel, did you walk away from that class with an understanding of how to do it? Yeah, I think so. I came in with an understanding of how to do it, but I came out with an understanding of ways to tune it for me that I have, I either didn't know before or wasn't paying attention to last time. Okay. I had like a dozen stickies of notes of like, as you design your wall, Amitai, think about these things. And they were okay. things that I would probably not otherwise have thought about. Wow. Okay. So that's really interesting. All right. So for the folks, if you're not um, not super familiar with personal Kanban, it's it's kind of draws on Kanban or what we know what we would consider to be Kanban now. And um, the idea, just like it was just described, you want to limit your work and process, visualize your work. And for me, what what I kind of came away with after doing it for the first couple of months was it's this like meta level study about my own decision-making process and teaching me about how to make better decisions. And the biggest thing that I learned 
was I was so much happier than I thought that I was <laughs> before I started it because I had I had so much stuff like my backlog was ridiculous and every day I overplan every single day and I constantly feel like just the dread and the Catholic guilt hanging over me of like oh I didn't do this it's always like what I didn't do never what I did do um, and the guy that helped me kind of coach me through it helped me figure out that all the things that I'm complaining about, they're all really awesome things that I'm really excited that I have to do. Mm -hmm. So even just like that awareness, I think the level of awareness for me has been the biggest impact. I mean, yeah, I get more stuff done. And when I don't get more stuff done, I know whose fault it is. Is that the, is it a feeling that you have? Like that's my fault or that's their fault or it's not so much. Well, let me say it differently. Yeah. I don't think it's fault anymore because I can't play the, I've also been reading a lot, Christopher Avery a lot lately. So I don't want to, I can't, I, I can't let myself be a victim of anything anymore. Okay. I acknowledge that when I like right now, I'm in a spot where I have way too much to do. My whip limit is ridiculous and it's entirely something that I put in my own path. And so I'm trying to find my way through it. So I'm not in a very peaceful place right now, but Everything that is in my path is all like, wow, that's awesome. And I can't wait to do that. And I can't wait to do that. Oh my God, there's too many things I want to do. I can't do all this stuff. What am I going to do? I really just want to watch TV now. And so like, that's where <laughs> I get to. So the board helps me become maybe more conscious. I can't say that it's doesn't drive the behavior. has doesn't always drive the behavior change that I want it to. A lot of times it does, but not always. So I'm drawing a parallel now. Okay. Because I have the same thing. I have... I'm looking at my options and it's like, it's about to curve over onto the previous wall. Yeah. And that's fine. Cause at least I can see them now. And it's making me think about test driven development, which we did a little bit of in that, in that video podcast. Yeah. Yep. Where with TDD, you, uh, you make a small claim, a small assertion, a small wish about what you wish your system did next. And then you see for sure that your system doesn't do that thing. And then you make it so. Right. And so TDD, people, people sometimes call it test-driven design rather than test-driven development because people often consider it a design practice as much as a testing practice or more. Wow. Okay. And what the, the parallel I'm seeing here is people often uh, disagree that it's a design practice because it doesn't make you do anything. You know, uh, it doesn't force anything. Yeah. What it does do, and I think that's the same as personal Kanban, is give you a bunch of small chances to reconsider <laughs> what it is that you're aimed at. That that's is the best that any technique can do. It's, See, it's this is, okay, this is, I need the class in this because I would, I agree with everything you said, but I would say it like, it's the process that comes up and grabs you by the collar and shakes you and screams at you, you did this. <laughs> So maybe maybe I'm a, maybe I have earplugs in when it's shouting at me and I, I hear it as a small thing. coming from a much healthier place. <laughs> I don't be too sure. <laughs> so all right, so you, so the for the folks who are who are listening, the class was put on by the two people that are that kind of come up with all this stuff with Jim Benson and um, I'm going to mess up Tony Ann's last name. D Maria. I'm looking at it, yeah, Tony Ann D Maria Barry, and they've got a book called Personal Kanban and a bunch of other stuff online, including online courses and things you can take. Um, and it it completely changed my whole life and the way that I do everything in my life. But 
I came to it out of the GTD and I thought it was just going to help me be more effective in my process. And what it taught me was, was the thing that changed my whole outlook on everything, which has been so impactful. And I was really glad to be able to sit there and, and take the class. I, would you, is that like a normal kind of class that you take? Cause it seems a little different to me than a lot of classes. Yeah, it was. Um, I was just reviewing trainings that I've taken over the last several years and it is different. Uh, it's not about code, first of all, which every other year I try to focus on that. It's not about leadership or coaching in particular. Um, it seemed really ecumenical. Uh, it pulled from a lot of sources. I loved how they started at the beginning of the first day with uh, lean and systems thinking and behavioral yeah. economics being part of a triad that yeah. each was related to the others. And that made me expect to uh, to be in good hands about what we were going to learn the next couple of days because what goes into the choices we make, at least those things. Yeah. And that's what it was really about is, is how do we choose and how do we, how do we sort of engineer our own environment so that we make choices that we will be happier with? It's, it's sort of like a double loop. Um, like what I got done from a to-do list is a loop, but what I should put on my next to-do list, that's a double loop. Yeah. I think the combination of their backgrounds is one of the things that makes it so fascinating to be in a room with them and just hear the way they talk about stuff differently and kind of go back and forth. Um, and and the way were, that they overlap, even though their yeah. backgrounds are so different, they come to the same, yeah. Same place. Like that, the explanation that they gave in the class of the overcrowded highway being like too much whip. Like I've heard people do that probably 15, 20 times. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I it ever like went into my head and I was like, oh crap that's exactly right. Like <laughs> I've heard other people say some of that stuff before, but sometimes I guess it clicks and that really, really hit home for me as a really great, simple example of, you know, why you don't just keep jamming more into the system. Utilization versus flow. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think in general, that was, that was my through line for the whole two days. Uh, I feel grateful that I came in mostly familiar with the ideas that they talked about. Yeah. Because, it was still a fire hose the way that they fit together. Yeah. I, I, that's one of the things that I was kind of wondering was if I had come into that, not knowing anything about it, would I have, would I have left being able to, you know, X to be able to do it. And, and I don't know. And I don't know if that was their intention or not, but that was one of the questions. I think if I, there were a lot of people in the room that knew how to do it. Mm -hmm. And and they kind of drove a lot of questioning, which I thought was really valuable. But I also sort of, there's a part of me that was wondering, like, if I didn't know what I was getting into, would I have come away able to execute? And I hope so, but I don't, that's one thing I'm not sure about. I mean, I can easily imagine an alternate version of me coming in there cold and thinking I'm going to learn how to organize myself. And what the hell did they talk about for two well, that, But even so, the stories, <laughs> the stories were great, no matter yeah. what. Like yeah, I mean, it conversation was, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think they did a lot of good, like the whole exercise in the beginning with the, the, the kind of heat map we created of, you know, what's keeping you from working. That mm -hmm. was, I felt like that was really informative in that I don't, I don't feel like there was anything I saw there that shocked me, but seeing all the people gravitate towards the certain topics was very powerful. Mm -hmm. the weight of those things. Yeah. Weight is the right word. It's not just, it's not just my frustration. It's wow. Everybody around me here. Huh? Yeah. Okay. And, and seeing how they articulated those things was also really powerful. 
yeah, like I have my I have my standard words for frustrated, and I learned something about my own feelings from seeing how other people wrote them down. Yeah, and the the idea, the technique also, where we say, um, what would make this worse rather than what would make this better? Yeah, uh, in any context, as a, as a coach or consultant, I find that super useful. People ask, how do you make a software development team get faster? Never mind make. Let's just say, how do you get a software development team to be faster? <laughs> well. Uh, what slows them down? Let's remove those things one at a time. There's a bottleneck. Let's find it, remove it. Of course, uh, and, and theory of constraints is something they could not help but mention in the first yeah. time on class. But that's just it. You don't get fast by you know switching a switch. You get fast by progressively getting less slow until you notice that you're fast. And so the, the technique they used at the beginning of the class, which was this heat map of what slows you down, um, I find that useful just as a general growth technique to say what's in our way what would make how could we make this actually worse than it is now it's yeah think of that and then we can flip it around i think that it's that that reframing thing is really important that's kind of what happened to me when i did it was i was like feeling completely overburdened but then when i looked at each thing individually it was like which of these things would i like to not do none of them i want to do all of them <laughs> yeah. i see i feel incredibly blessed to have this as my problem but then, then it becomes a different conversation. Like, how do I make sure I can maintain the level of quality and, and get the enjoyment out of those things? So did you change something about your board? You already had a board when you got there and you changed it? I had there? a board and I'd already been working on it. So the, I'd been working on changing it. I started looking at bullet journaling just because I was desperate to find anything. And that same week that I started to do that, I saw that they had put out the, the notebooks, the one they gave us in class that you can use for, for personal combine. And um, the same day that I ordered the book, Jocko, uh, another attendee in the class um, who runs a, a lean coffee here in New York, he sent me a message and said he was taking the class. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be home. And so my wife and I both took it. So it's just like kind of coincidence. I, I, my board is out of control. And, and where one of the things that, that happened in the class was Tony Ann mentioned that Jim will frequently just wipe out her board. Uh-huh. Which... <laughs> And you posted in your blog that you would be happy to have someone come and do that. Well, I don't know if happy is the word, but it was, okay. it was a highlight for me educationally to think like one of the things that I do yeah. probably better than most people. And I don't know if it's, if it's good that I do, it's just, I'm just better at it is that I habituate quickly and never mind. I made this board with stickies. They're pretty easy to move, Yeah, but Pretty soon, I forget that I have the agency to reorganize it entirely, that I can change how it works. I just work within it after a while. Okay. And one of the things that would help me is if somebody would come here and just like knock it all on the floor so that I'm reminded, hey, you know, you can design this however you want and you yeah. can redesign it however you want. Plus, you can get rid of the backlog if you want. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I guess I was... I was kind of at the point where I was trying to figure out which things do I need to track up for me, like a lot of the daily habit stuff. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second, but um, which things should I track? Which things should I not track? What matters? What doesn't? And when am I just doing it just to do it? Um, and so that's kind of what led me down this other path. And as much as I hate the idea of the super creative Pinterest bullet journals, um, keeping a daily log of different things that happen and trying to see what that can teach me, that's kind of what I'm exploring. And, and I thought that taking the class, because Jim is so brilliant every time I get to talk to him, and, and, I, and I'd never met Tony in a person either, I thought it might give me some more insights. And it did. It gave me a ton of things to think about. Um, Same for me. 
Yeah. So, so what was your big takeaway from the class? Um, I think the big takeaway was having had two days to focus on aspects of managing myself and my work. And the, the big physical takeaway is uh, for a variety of reasons, I have an office, I have the right schedule. Um, I have a place to put a wall and now I have all the right ideas in my head to do it. And it all kind of came together in a couple of weeks with the class at the end. And okay. so I, like I, I was so, I can't say this word on your show, but I was you so. Can say, oh, you can go ahead. <laughs> people will say all kinds of inappropriate things on this. I'm going to stick with X and let people fill it in. Okay. Like our heat map. Uh, I was so X that I, you know, I took these two days of class Thursday and Friday, and then I go home, not to my office because what I wanted to do more than anything else was get to my office, close the door and start making my work visible. Mm-hmm. But I had to wait until Monday afternoon. Okay. <laughs> so, but that gave it time to incubate kind of. Sure. Yeah, that's true. But what I really wished for, like this, this strong, strong, strong desire, because I'm, I'm not on average an organized or disciplined person, okay. was to start getting a handle on it because I suddenly felt like I have some tools. And yeah, so that's my big takeaway. So I have a wall and I'm using it. Why? I have two questions about you and your approach to coaching. But the first one is why when you left, if you were anxious to do it, did you not just open up Trello or something like that and start just pumping stuff into that? I have stuff in Trello and I don't look at it. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't so much a big part for me about putting the thing on the post-it or, or in Trello is getting it out of my own head, creating that space, that vacuum in my head again. I have that too. I also have a flip side of that, which is that whenever I'm looking at the computer, I lose a little bit of track of what I was working on. And that's one of the reasons TDD is so clutch for me. Okay. I have a free reminder of what I'm in the middle of at all times. Okay. And so for me, I had the same thing actually in college when I was studying music and composing and people knew that I'm a computer guy. They're like, right. you know, there's a great computer music center down the hill on our campus. Have you considered going there and playing with some stuff or taking a class? And I'm like, no, because when the computer is on, my creativity is not at its best when I'm looking at a rectangle. And for sure, when I'm trying to keep track of myself and huh. my tasks and my work and my focus, I need to look away from the screen to have a chance. And so, okay, so why didn't you get all XP about it and bust out your index cards? Because uh, I don't have a table big enough. I don't know. This, the stickies was great. But okay. for, for a while, when we had the kid, uh, I lost the home office, so I lost the wall. And then I started doing some remote work and I got an office, but it was only like a few hours in the middle of the day. So I wake up in the morning and the wall isn't here. And so the conditions were just never right. Yeah. And they are. And I, I was hoping you were going to have some super healthy answer. Like I, I'm super mindful of my time with my family and I will not let myself work when I'm with them. That's true too. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's sort of what I thought was going to happen. Thanks for helping me out there. <laughs> um, all right, but you said that you were glad to take the class because there's um, about aspects of managing yourself and your work. And can you talk about why that is such a critical part of your ability to be a coach? Because yeah, you so just go in and tell people what to do. Right. That is that is never the job. Although um, I just had an insight the other day about that, which is. Say I come into a big organization and I happen to come with an allergy to coercion. I don't, I don't feel comfortable telling people what to do. I definitely don't feel comfortable being told what to do by some authority. Um, and even if I did know exactly what they should do, 
that's not how anybody learns anything or succeeds in the long term. So yeah, it's a, it's a matter of, it's a matter of voluntarity, I guess, uh, okay. except uh, this is the insight I had on the way home from my, my wife is studying to become a counselor, a therapist, which happens to have a ton of overlap with yeah. coaching when it's done well. And, um, we were comparing and contrasting the styles of some therapists that she works with. And, uh, one of them is very directive and he's very congruent about it. Like he's very comfortable in his skin. He's very comfortable having a plan and having the advice that doesn't depend a ton. Like the process doesn't change. Maybe where you are in the process changes depending on the context, but the process right. seems not to change. And that's just so foreign to me, but it makes me think of Kinevin where you have these domains where the, the way to behave depends on the context, of course. Yeah. And this guy who we were thinking about his style, he seems very directive, but the people that he helps the best are coming in in what seems like a personal chaos. And maybe that's what they need is act and then review. So they're a nail in search of a hammer. Something like that. And, and for those people, he fits. And yeah. for me, I come in with my coercion allergy, but I come in to say a big company where people are used to being told what to do. And isn't it in some way an imposition for me to require them to make their own decisions because I can't tell them what to do? Isn't it? Just because I have trouble telling them what to do. Now I'm asking them to I think make it, decisions they're not comfortable I, with. I find it because when I get that, they're frustrated. They just want you to tell them what to do. It's easier if you do that. It's almost like it's a trick. Like, I know you, I know you want something. Yeah. You're just not telling me what it is yet. And I think what I need to do to grow as a coach is to gain the ability in some circumstances to recognize when I'm in a circumstance where what people want, at least to begin with, is for me to tell them something. Wow. Okay. You're the exact opposite of me. <laughs> yeah. I I was not a great coach because I can only watch him do it a certain way for so long. And I'm like, just stop, do this. It's going to work. <laughs> and I had a call this morning with a guy who became apparent to me after five minutes in that he didn't really want the advice he said he wanted. He just wanted to be told that what he was doing was a, you know, like great mm -hmm. idea, buddy. I'm like, okay, here you go. Here's your cookie. Um, but I, I can't, do, <laughs> I can't do the other thing. I don't know. It's weird, but it's, it's why I consider myself a bad coach. And you're saying here's an area where you're trying to grow as a coach is the ability to see that they just want a cookie and give it to them. Not that they want a cookie, but that they, they have been taught something and I'm trying to incrementally teach them something else. Okay. And if I demand this enormous behavior change, which is all of a sudden, despite everything they've heard for the last them. 10 years, I want them to make their own decisions starting tomorrow. That doesn't okay. mean they can. That doesn't mean they can fit that in with their other work. That's asking a lot. That's a big increment. I need to ask a smaller increment. And that, that brings up my biggest takeaway from that class was the thing about agency. Yeah. Um, we were talking about agency and I don't remember what people were going on about how you have to give people agency, you have to give them this, you have to give them that. And I'm working with a guy right now who's trying to get his team to be more proactive and take ownership. And I asked a question and Tony and said uh, to the effect of just, just because you, you think you gave somebody agency doesn't mean they can actually do anything with it. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was another like, wow, that was very jarring for me. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that was memorable for me too. Um, and then there was all the note passing. <laughs> yeah, I have those passing. notes with me. We were pa- can you at least read the first one? We were passing notes back and forth like high school girls. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm peeling them apart. We have some red, some orange, some green. Yes. Uh, so first you started saying, would you want to do a podcast? The answer to that is clearly no. And then, <laughs> uh, yes, you were, you were interested in about tracking meditation, tracking meditation, 49 consecutive days of meditation, but I leave it on, leave it on the wall. You have an item on your wall because one, I worry I will forget to block out time and two, completing my personal tasks each day is a boost. And so so you have a meditation practice that you were trying to keep going and you make an item for it every day is what you're saying, right? Well, yeah. And Tony Ann said that once something becomes a habit, you don't have to keep that on the board anymore. And right. I don't know if it's me being a project manager still in my brain or not, but I keep all that stuff on there every day. Even though I do it every day, I'm afraid to take it off. And the conversation is what made me realize why I don't take it off. Yeah, so I wrote back with a note that I attached to the previous note. We got a nice chain going. I said, try setting a reminder for two weeks out to see to ask you, are you still meditating every day? And that way, if it's a habit, then fine, it really is. And if it's not, then you'll get back on it. And you wrote back, you helped me figure out why I keep doing it. I am on the road 75% of the time and can't maintain a daily routine. This helps me not skip stuff. Yeah, that's, I think that's part of it. But also, I'm not, to me, just because something is a habit, I don't think I would take it away. That's another thing. Yeah, so there's, this comes back to the double loop. It's a habit under current conditions, but conditions change. Yeah. How will I know if I lose it, and how will I be reminded to pay attention to it? It's just too easy to let, to let go. I mean, it's like I wouldn't say to the pilot of a plane, well, you did this every day for the last six months. You know what? Forget the checklist. It's fine. Right. So if it's more like a checklist for you, maybe you actually want to, maybe you want to incarnate it as a checklist rather than as, as Sticky's moving over. And or maybe like moving him I, over. That is a brilliant insight because that's kind of what's happening with the bullet journal, journaling thing. I mean, it's not, I'm not, I'm noticing I'm not moving those cards on the board because I'm checking it off in the other book. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of... Does it work as well for you? Like you get the thing done, it feels right? It's working in that I'm not doing the bullet journaling to... I'm doing it to see what happens. I'm just exploring it to see if there's valuable pieces from there I can kind of adopt. So I don't have a specific goal. But yeah, it's satisfying to cross it out or move the card either way. But the satisfaction is not having the thing completed. The satisfaction is from the action itself of doing the thing. But there's a little more satisfaction of being sure that you remembered when there, it's something you want to make sure that you remembered. So I guess so, yeah. I, I applied that when I realized, when uh, Tony was telling the story about how Jim would periodically wipe her board and switch to a different tool. Uh, I was thinking, I would love for somebody to do that to me and then absorb my reaction. Uh, but maybe I don't have to put somebody through that. I could just set a reminder on my own phone to go off in a couple months and say, wipe your own board. You're a grown up. So I did that. And a couple wow. months from now, I will hopefully listen to it. Wow. Or you could send your wife in. That's the thing. I don't, I don't need her to live through that. Yeah, but it's sort of like, <laughs> you know, in the old Pink Panther movies with Cato, like it's sort of like, you know, you walk into the room, he's going to jump off the ceiling and attack you, just keep you extra sharp. Cato. <laughs> 
Not now, Kato. It's not the time. <laughs> yes, one of my favorites. Do you think that when you do tear it down that you will have the discipline? You probably would. I don't think I could. I would start in, I would be taking it down in a certain order. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like um I feel like I'm I'm good at You're mature enough to be able to not do that. Following my own intention when my reminder tells me to. I don't think I would do it at all otherwise. Okay. But when it happens, I think I'll be like, all right, here's a chance to reconsider. That's what I meant. So can I ask you a completely unrelated question since this podcast is veering all over the road anyway? Indeed. All right. So you're, you're somebody who seems to me to have like a really, obviously a really solid handle on an agile approach to work and being able to help other people gain this ability. Um, you've been able to apply it in a lot of different areas it seems to me like that would, re- and this this is where the thing I'm trying to check in on because I am thinking that the places where I fall, where I am, I'm trying to th- say it in a positive way, the places where I have not yet achieved that capacity, I tie it back to a level of discipline, like a lack of discipline. In that, if I was taking the board down, I would already be redoing it mentally before I took the board down. I would not be able to wait until Monday to start setting the stuff up in my head and some electronic tools somewhere. I'm going to be doing it anyway. Um, is that, is the discipline thing a thing for you or is that not oh, part of it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's part of what, like when, when XP imprinted on me, when, when TDD becomes something that I'm as close to religious as I am about anything, it's because it didn't just change my work life. It changed okay. my life. It okay. gave, like I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I'm in recovery. I'm still working on it. Always will be. And uh, so, for example, you hear about clean code. Right. And for a lot of developers, that's a really meaningful concept that they organize their values around. And it just, it never animated me at all because I never needed help cleaning my code. I needed help stopping. Okay. And for me, that, so the, the idea that was tremendously useful was more from Kent Beck, which is how do I pick a small step and make sure that I can always take another small step and that I can stop whenever it's time to stop and maybe I give myself some hints about what that time is. That appealed to me. That animated me. That gave me freedom that I can write code that is perfect in a bounded sense because the right. question that I have accumulated to ask the system about what it does I can find out in five seconds whether it still does all those things. And this is so incredibly freeing that that's, that's why it imprinted on me so strongly that I'm not a person by default who works in a disciplined way or makes decisions in a disciplined way. Uh, And that's actually for me, I think it's a secret advantage as a coach because to the extent that I have ever been effective in a business context, it is because and only because I intellectualized the technique that worked better than whatever I had been doing before. Okay. And so, you know, like the, I I like to compare this to Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson. Michael Jordan could probably tell you a lot of the things that he was doing, but to some extent he was better than everybody else because of his physical gifts. Sure. Phil Jackson was physically gifted enough to be in the league in the seventies for the Knicks, but he was not a better athlete than everybody else. So what kept him in is he was paying attention to the teammates around him, positioning himself, strategizing, thinking about where the risks are going to come from. Um, 
you know, given his body at the speed that he could move with his agility, uh, what situational awareness could he have? And then all of the stuff that he figured out, he could explain. That's why he was an amazing coach. He didn't okay. have those gifts at the level that Jordan did. And I don't have gifts at the level of, let's say there's such a thing as a 10X developer. I don't think there is. Um, but I've never been a gifted developer. I've only been able to get decent at it in a consistent way because of these techniques from XP. So discipline is absolutely a huge thing for me. And I'm, I'm hopeful that the personal Kanban will make this wall stick, as it were, in so a way do, that it didn't before. Do you think that, and I'm thinking specifically of TDD and, and the reaction that I see people who are new, like in class when we talk about it. Um, there's, I can see where somebody could make the argument that having two people pair up and work on this kind of approach together and building a failing test first and then building the solution bit by bit is a very inefficient approach to work when someone else could do it faster. I don't think that the, it makes the, it makes the outcome more efficient, but it's more labor potentially upfront. It like, and I don't think I'm using the word in the correct way, but there's waste that generates efficiency on the other side. I see what you mean. Yeah. So for me, uh, agile is about risk management. XP in particular is about risk management. Okay. I think of, just about all the practices as some kind of insurance. Okay. So, yeah. Um, like, could you, could you not pair? Yeah. And then the things that turn out to be slow because there was a question that somebody could have told you to ask if they were with you. Yeah. How much is that going to cost you? I don't know. Maybe I can pay it. Maybe I can't. I don't know. What's my budget and yeah. what, what's my risk appetite. Pairing is to reduce that risk so that, whatever kind of, you know, unasked question might slow me down, somebody's more likely to ask it. Okay. ADD is insurance against, uh, against regressions later because we have a suite. It's insurance against um, being unable to ship tomorrow because we have something that's greened at all the time. Uh, all these practices are, are insurance, which people in other contexts in their lives are entirely happy to pay. And the reason that I feel like it's, it's a little bit fraught in the business context is that the the risk trade-offs that people are making when they opt out of TDD and pairing and these risk management practices, I don't think they're entirely aware of the trade-offs that they're making because it's hard to see in software development. Okay. And that's one of my biggest challenges as a coach. Okay. So I guess where I was going to go with that is to me, that kind of goes back to um, the personal Kanban thing. I think that there's faster ways to prioritize stuff daily, but I don't think there's smarter ways, at least for me, to manage my own work than that and to stop and take the time and reflect on it as options and think about, you know, what am I choosing? Like, what am I choosing to do versus what do I have to do? Yeah, I have, I have by default, I have a to-do list that whatever's on my mind today, I'll write it down and then I'll be more efficient or less efficient getting those things done today. And then I go to sleep and repeat. Now, are you somebody who, yeah. I was talking with somebody else about this. My wife chooses the things that she has to do and she doesn't worry about the things she's not doing. Whatever I'm doing, I'm always worried about the things I'm not doing, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is dysfunctional as hell, but it is the way I operate. You know, I listened to a really interesting podcast with some guy named Dave Pryor and uh, <laughs> some guy named Alistair Coburn. 
<laughs> yes, the <laughs> infinite things. Story. Yeah, he was talking about, uh, I really like this explanation. It appealed yeah. to me that make peace with the fact, no matter how many things you are doing, there are infinitely many that you're not. Yep. So you might as well pick fewer to be doing and really enjoying and finishing the heck out of them. Yeah. I, I really like that. That was awesome. That, I think about that about every other day. That <laughs> It's like, you know, you can't do all of them. Like, yeah, I know. But that one thing, God, I really got to get to that. <laughs> but it always, it does, it gets in the way. And I think that what, what I try to get out of personal combat is not just a better understanding of what choices I'm making and why, but a better ability to really be with the thing that I'm doing. Yes. I have the same thing as you where, where if I'm not sure what's going on with this other thing I'm working on, it is in my brain. It's looking yeah. at me. I can see it looking at me. No. And, but <laughs> that's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Eye. Yeah. That yeah, weird yeah. Eye staring you down. It's, it's so strange. And I'm, I'm hopeful that having this system with these dozen or so tweaks that yeah. I wrote down as we were in class will help me steer it to me so that I can empty my brain of the stuff that I absolutely do not need in there. Right. And keep it full with one or two or three things at a time that I absolutely do. That's awesome. Cool. Well, hopefully after you figure it out, we can do another one and check in and see how it went. That'd be awesome. Maybe when I finally make it to one of the morning lean coffees, which I swear to God, I'm going to do. I understand you travel a lot. The next time I'm home on a Thursday morning and I'm not teaching, I will be there. That would be awesome. We'll see you at one of those. Yeah, cool. All right, so if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing, they can go to latenagility.com. That's right. And what if they want to check out the other stuff that you're doing? Is it all other late? stuff I'm doing? Uh, you can always at me on Twitter. That's Schmonz, S-C-H-M-O-N-Z. Okay. I'm happy to get in a conversation there. I have a website, schmonz.com, where I do a lot of blogging, including one with my findings from this personal Kanban class. I have a micro podcast. It's been a little while since I published something new, but they're not real time sensitive. I don't know if uh, timeless is the word, but not time sensitive is certainly true. It's called Agile in Three Minutes, and the episodes really are 180 seconds or less. I've They're had time nice kind because it doesn't take, like mine sometimes go an hour. You're very more efficient with your use of people's time. Well, let's yeah. talk sometime about how hard it is to write those. But they're short to listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that's out there. Agile in three minutes. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, or, uh, or just on the web. Cool. And then uh, two, two talks coming up. One of which is online, which is, I think it's a, in a month from now. So April. No. Yes. Early April. Uh, it's going to be a webinar with Smart Bear on mob programming. It's just an intro to mob programming. Okay. And it's not only for programmers. It's for anybody that could benefit from solving complex problems as a team. Cool. And uh, in May. May 10th. In New York City, center of the universe to some yes. people. Uh, there's Big Apple Scrum Day, and I will be co-presenting with Faye Thompson. Two Midwesterners politely invite you to explore coding where we will bring non-programmers and programmers alike to interactively do some mob programming, much like you did, Dave, in that yes. podcast. I'm going to send, I tell all my students to go, because it was, that was an incredibly impactful couple of hours we spent doing that. And I am very grateful to you for those lessons. That is terrific to hear. Thank you for the feedback. Um, and thank you for taking time out of your day. It was a pleasure. And for the rest of you, if you want to learn more about 
Personal Kanban. You can go to Personal Kanban or Modus Cooperandi. I include links to both those. And, and I think we would both strongly encourage you to check out uh, any class you can or any session by Jim or Tony Ann because it was very, very impactful and, and really rewarding. Two thumbs up. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks.